audio conversation recorded with Richard Dolan on his audio program, Truth Out Radio, and it was recorded yesterday, which would have been Saturday, July 28th, 2012. Hey, uh, Rich and I will occasionally send emails back and forth to each other. He's been a guest on my program. I've met him a number of times at a handful of conferences. And he has kind of hinted that I should join him on his audio show, on his radio show, which is called Truth Out Radio. So at some point in the afternoon yesterday, I emailed him and said, hey, I'll, uh, I'll call in during the call-in section tonight. And he emailed back and said, great. And uh, so I went ahead and did it. And uh, it surprised me a little bit, but we ended up talking for a full hour. Uh, the entire hour is uh, logged here. It's curious. I, I was talking through Skype, and I have an automatic Skype recorder. So it is recorded, so you get to hear a little bit of the banter uh, behind the scenes. Uh, so um, there's a fellow there named Race Hobbs, and he's the fellow with a southern accent, and he is playing the role of uh, the audio engineer. So what you get to hear is the uh, the full hour of the conversation, which I thought was pretty interesting. And... There are a couple little uh, jokes that get made, one of which uh, Rich makes. He calls me his young friend, or his youthful friend. I'm not sure what phrase he uses. I am uh, like uh, 50 days younger than Rich. We are essentially the exact same age. That was a subtle little jab at my uh, youthful ways. And also, um, th- you get to hear me uh, talk to Rich in as dry as I possibly could. I said I wanted to do a uh, soliloquy from Eugene O'Neill's Long Day's Journey Into Night. Uh, That is a a joke that if you actually listen to the entirety of the show, his show runs three hours long, so if you listen to it in its entirety, uh, the June 28th show, he does tell a funny story about being in college and attempting to do a soliloquy uh, from Long Day's Journey Into Night, and uh, it didn't go so well. I was shocked at how um, he didn't quite get my joke. I had to sort of explain it. I left that part in. As we get to the final moments of the show, of his show, and uh, we're winding down, the topic turns to Mac Tony's. I brought up something that was, was something that I consider very unusual uh, and qu- quite an important synchronicity, I'll have to say, like in my life, where Mac and I both wrote essays about cats uh and uh at one point i did a blog post and that was followed up by an audio post where i read my essay on cats that involves a string and mac read his essay on cats which involves a laser beam and uh, i i lifted that from an episode of greg bishop's Radio Mysterioso. That's about 11 minutes long. I'm going to go ahead and include that at the very end. And then also at the very end, I'm going to include uh, just a little bit of what Rich talked about during his show. Uh, One thing he did talk about, which I agree completely, is he sort of, uh, he goes off. And in his very succinct and thoughtful way, he gives a very pointed criticism of MUFON, uh, a criticism I share. He basically said what I think. He said it better than I could, so I'm going to include that at the end also. Rich is a smart, articulate guy. I always get a kick out of listening to him. I felt quite honored to have the chance to talk with him. Uh, I had a great time recording the, uh, the, the live performance there. 
I did do a little bit of editing, so I cleaned my own mumbling up a little bit, uh, my own vanity ego issues. And then, um, but all that said, uh, that we, we do touch on some important topics. And I, uh, I do talk a lot about synchronicity and the, and the role it plays in the UFO abduction phenomenon. Please enjoy. Hey there. Mike. Hey, yes. Mike. Hey there, you sound great. Oh, perfect. You do too. Good, good. Okay, I'll let you guys talk. We've got about uh, two and a half minutes. So, Mike, how long uh, are you able to go? I can do whatever you want. Whatever uh, you. Twenty-five minutes or so. Yeah, sure. Good. Hey, if if we're if we're in a groove, you, we can stay on as long as we want. Um, if you have something in particular on the agenda, that would be good because, uh, I mean, we can just chat. But it sounds to me like you have something in particular. On uh, not that. not necessarily in particular. I just want to, you know, the thing that I was hoping to do, which I, and it's interesting because you are, you almost sort of raised it here. What I was hoping to do is. Um, I want to do a monologue from a Long Day's Journey into Night, and uh, you didn't think that was funny. Real? No, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm pretty dry. You Mike. should save that for for being on air because that was really good. <laughs> no, no, Mike. Don't my, don't give away your good material. <laughs> and uh, all right, look, like, you know what? You're you're too good already. So just hang on. Oh, here, so here I can give you basically the gist. I just wanted to I just talk about like raising the bar of like the. Uh, <clears throat> the dialogue as well as, uh, you know, recognizing that there's, you know, from what I've been doing is looking at the phenomena as it, as it goes well below the waterline and there's something very strange afoot and, and people are kind of shy to say that. 60 seconds, Scott. Yes. Well, let's, let's do that. And, um, I want people to know about your, your, uh, blog site too. Your Great. site. Cause it's a really good one. Okay. I'll let you do whatever you need to do. Yeah, so uh, we're going to start in a couple of seconds, and I'll introduce you. I'm glad you're on. Thanks. So this is awesome. How much time we have, Race? Thirty seconds. Radio. Okay. Awesome. I really miss my Merlot. I'm, I'm drinking good coffee. Thing, it's man. still still full daylight here. So you are listening to Truth Out Radio live with Richard Dolan only on the Global Radio Alliance. You're listening to the new Global Radio Alliance, a new knowledge for a new world. All right, twenty seconds, Richie. I'll cue you. Yes, sir. Guys, remember, keep an eye on the Skype chat. I'll alert you if we have any call-ins. And uh, Richard, give me uh, yeah. give me five seconds from right now, man. Okay. Well, we are back. I'm Richard Dolan. This is Truth Out Radio on the GRA, the Global Radio Alliance. It's been a fun two hours, and uh, I'm really happy now. We've got a I've got a guest. Uh. And this is a friend and colleague of mine, a young whippersnapper, I would like to add, a gentleman that I've actually been uh, had very productive conversations with for a number of years now, and that is Mike Cleland. Mike, you're there? I'm here. Excellent. Excellent. And where are you Where are you calling from? I know you're in mountain time, but where exactly are you? I am in a beautiful little town in rural Idaho, right next to Grand Teton National Park. I'm looking out my window right now at uh, the Grand... I had to stand up to look out, but at the Grand Teton. Yeah, that's gorgeous. 
I've never been to Idaho. One day I'll have to come out and visit you. Yeah, I'm three miles from the Wyoming border, so I'm I'm kind of uh, it's referred to as Idaho where I live. Ah, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, I don't want to uh, give away anything that you want to be talking, but I will just let people know that <clears throat> a you've got a really excellent blog site, which is um, I think it's it's mikeclellan.com. Let me just double check. No, it's, it is not. Yes. I, I can. I uh, it is. Uh, there is actually a, a blog site called mikeclellan.com. I got the domain name a bunch of years ago, and, and there's basically nothing on it. Uh, oh yeah, I'm the, looking at it now. It's a nice picture. Of there's a picture of me when I was boy. in kindergarten. Yeah. So, uh, what's, what's your what's your actual site that I have visited? The actual site would be hiddenexperience.blogspot.com. Yeah, I'm looking at it. And now. you can just Google up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want people to know you you really have a good blog site going. It's it's one of the best uh, around, in my opinion, just because. A, you keep it active, and you're you're very engaged and interested in all the the strange strangeness associated with UFOs and experiences in particular. So, um, and and I just would add uh, to people listening that you and I have had a number of conversations um, about the topic of UFOs and particularly abductions. If uh, I hope you don't mind my mentioning that, and our own. Uh, mutual uh, efforts to understand that whole phenomenon because you've done a great deal of work on it too well it's interesting because it's less like work in a way like I, I almost don't consider myself a researcher uh you know i've actually gone out and tried to do you know what would be formal research uh you know show up at someone's house take a report and it, it all falls apart all i end up doing is sitting down and having like a total heart to heart with the person uh mm-hmm. you know where i'm trying to you know i'm not a, a objective i'm very subjective uh when i mm. when i step into that role and and as as far as like the role of the blog um and i'm not a, you know not shy about saying this and that's been the the reason i started the blog was almost as a um oh i guess just a sociological sort of exercise for me to try to make sense of my own set of experiences that seem to be intertwined with the uh ufo abduction lore uh, you know, I'm dancing around using every possible adjective and uh, that I can, uh, you know, I'll go right up to the line of, of like UFO abductee. I, I feel like I can't cross that line just because I don't have the direct experience and it would just feel dishonest to call myself that. But what I can say is that something has intersected with my life and it uh, it certainly has something to do with the UFO phenomena. And, um, and, you know, beyond that, it's very, very difficult to say, and it gets very murky because it's, um, you know, the, 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 the whole phenomena is so fraught with, uh, preconceptions and, and, um, so I, I just, you know, it takes me 10 minutes to walk around the block three times trying to explain what I may or may not have experienced. So let me leave it at that. Anyone who's, anyone who's gone through your blog site, uh, and read what you have on there, I think, honestly, it's going to be the easiest conclusion for them to to say this is a guy who's been abducted, who's had multiple experiences. And I mean, I, I think it just kind of shouts out on, on the page. You may not want to say it, but am I wrong in thinking that that's probably the typical reaction people would have? You know, I've, if it wasn't my blog and I stumbled on it and read through it, and that, that would be my assumption. Um, and that very well may be the case. That's, you know, Mm-hmm. Th- that's the the fine you know what's going on under the waterline somewhere uh it's just that until 
uh, like I have some sort of confirmation, it just feels dishonest saying that using that vocabulary word. Um, so, you know, yeah. the, the vocabulary word of abductee or abduction. Um, right, and right. yeah, so until I, yeah, who knows? I mean, I'll, I, I, I wish I could and I'm close to it, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, all I have is my own honesty. So, uh, well, this is one of the things that, that gives your site a lot of power. It gives you power as, as a person in this field, honestly, because I've known you now for, I don't know how many years, five or six years at least. Seven, I think. Seven. Yeah. And, and this is just how you are. You're honest, you're upfront. Uh, and, and, the thing that I think is really compelling about you, honestly, Mike, is that you you are very clearly a student of this and you're and you're not afraid to to dive in and to deal with with something that actually is it's unsettling. It's a it's a disturbing subject. And yet you're right in there uh, doing your best to understand what's what's going on. And that's what we need. That's exactly the kind of research attitude that is needed. And and without a willingness, uh, with a willingness rather, to suspend your final judgment and to continue searching, which is what you do. And uh, ooh, I don't know how to say, you know, there's the, 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 the deeper I immerse myself in this. And what I've been doing is, is mostly uh, connecting with folks and talking with folks. And in order to like talk to someone who, um, you know, might have the, abduction experience in their in their past i mean it's a it's a three or four hour conversation you know to really even begin to understand what they might be going through um and and that's what i've been doing i've been sort of uh you know i don't know how many hours a week get um eaten up or i guess that's you know how many hours a week i spend talking to people and um and i guess I, I'm cautious to call it formal research because it's it's almost like I'm I'm using it as therapy in a way for mm-hmm. my for myself. But what what is what I'm coming away with is that there's something far stranger. I mean, you read a book by uh, you know Bud Hopkins or or um, David Jacobs or uh, even John Mack, and you come away with a you know sort of a a framework. But you know, t- talking to the people on an individual level, it it is exceedingly bizarre. You know what the, what what is emerging. Right. Well, it seems to me that this is what we're we're kind of often forgetting when we look into abductions um, is just how strange it is. I think it's 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 you know um, attractive for most of us looking into this to think, well, it's a simple operation. They're coming and they're taking us and they're doing things to us and then they're they're returning us. But no, it is stranger than that. Can can you would you be willing to talk about some of the bizarre? Uh, connections that you're finding in your own research. Is that something that... Oh, yeah, that's actually, you know, it, I wish I could, uh, uh, like, sum it up easily. But uh, ooh, let's see. Um, oh, for, for instance, just this, the, the, the role that synchronicity plays in this is profound. And, that, and, I, and I, I'm being very yeah. straightforward here. Like, if I, I started to look into this in around two, the winter of 2005, 2006, mm-hmm. and... You know, I had had a number of of uh, memories, um, you know, stories I could tell. I had missing time story, uh, seeing multiple UFOs, and and then so uh, yeah, synchronicities, these strange things. I mean, talk a little bit about that if you don't mind. Well, like initially, like I, I, I find them too. I find them. Well, I think it's very interesting. I think that even people who who like step into this fray uh, are going to experience them. 
um, there's something, there's some, and I and I hate to use terms that you know that can be so easily co-opted by you know uh, doughy-eyed New Age believers, but you know, there's a certain resonance to this topic that that. Um, seems to attract the synchronicities and and i i am being if i had not had the onslaught of synchronicities uh, i would not have have uh have have gone down the avenue of of even looking to my own experiences um in 2000 the winter of 2005 2006 around there you know i i had a handful of experiences that i i felt i needed to address i was kind of obsessed with the ufo abduction subject anyway i had a bunch of books on my shelf and um and I realized I needed to, you know, look into it. And as soon as I took that first step, my life was completely flooded with synchronicities. And, yeah, it's like what popped to mind? Whew, um, the, the well, what there's. Do you call a synchronicity? I'm just, I'm curious. I, I. No, no, no. I'm just trying to think of, of like a good one that won't take a long time to tell. Because I mean, synchronicities are kind of like telling someone a dream. You know, like they they almost have their own uh, life to, mm-hmm. of their own. Uh, here, I, this is something I've shared before, but it does give a pretty good idea. Just this was uh, I'd been having some synchronicities, and and uh, I had been um, I just started the blog, and and part of the reason mm-hmm. I started the blog was the synchronicities. But uh, I there was a story I had to share. And it was um, of an event that took place when I was 12 years old. And this this story, I realized as soon as I put this online, you know, anyone who's even remotely aware of the UFO abduction phenomena is going to look at the story and know exactly what the implications are. And I was certainly yeah. aware of that. And and it was uh, so. Um, I was skiing. It was it was uh, March of 2009. I was skiing that day, and during the day I was cross country skiing. And I knew when I got home I was going to post this story online. And the story is uh, I was walking home from a high school football game, and I was with a friend, and there was a spot on the sidewalk where, as we were walking home, I'm saying the spot on the sidewalk. I can visualize it. Uh, there was an orange flash in the sky. And both of us were kind of like surprised. It was jarring. It was upsetting. Then I ended up walking to my house and my friend lived a little farther in the neighborhood and I knew exactly what time it was because I wanted to see a television show. So I walked in the house and my parents were angry at me and I told them, uh, you know, like, what are you angry at me for? And they're saying, well, you're out too late. You you can't be out this late. And um, I'm like, but it's 9.30. I know exactly what time it is. I'm I'm home in time to see a television show. And they pointed at the clock and they said, no, it's almost 11.30 because the 11 o'clock news is just ending. So... um, So later, Monday at school, uh, I brought it up with my friend, and there was with a group of people. His name is also Mike. And he uh, he said, he kind of like jumped, jumped in, and you know, I said something weird happened Friday night. And he said, yeah, we saw a UFO with lights and everything, which is, which is not what happened. So yeah. never brought it up again with my friend. Mm-hmm. I could tell this story on and off over the next, uh, you know, whatever, whatever is 35 years or so until 2009. And then I realized I, I wrote it down as like an essay, like a little diary entry, and I recognized the intensity of it. And um, yeah. I even went and got a uh, Google Earth image of the spot on the sidewalk. And it was in front of a friend of my, I had a friend, her name is Cindy Gale, that's a, that's a pseudonym. And um, mm-hmm. So it was right in front of her house. Uh, so I had all these things lined up on my desktop, and I was just ready to drop them in place in a little blog format, which is very easy to do. And yeah. you know, I had the essay written. I had the visual of of, uh, of Cindy Gale's house with the X on the sidewalk. 
and I had my hands over the keyboard and all I had to do is just do a few more clicks and then you know push the upload button and it would be done and my hands mm-hmm. froze and my heart sank and I, I said I'm a coward I, I can't do this I'm not brave enough I can't go through with the act of sharing this story publicly and then right at that moment there was a ping there was an audible ping and I said okay whew, okay it's, it's my email some email came in I'm going to check my email and I, it'll just get me it'll give me a break and so the email said Cindy Gale wants to be your friend on Facebook and I hadn't talked to her since 1975 so 75 to, to 2009 I don't know what is it like 35 years or something um, um just about yeah, yeah. 34 years I think yeah so we reconnected um, and she just pings you out of the blue pings me completely out of the blue out of the blue she, she basically said she was uh, wanted to reconnect with some friends uh, and then just started going through and searching out on, on Facebook you know 2009 we're turning the clock back that was Facebook was you know just kind of that would have been the time when yeah. someone would have gone through and said oh let me check and, and see if uh, but sure. so now Cindy Gale talking about a coincidence of I mean literally the second within seconds of you about to upload that and well, well, so so it was it was it was within a microsecond of me declaring i am a coward i am not brave enough to go through with this you know it's inexplicable for our conventional materialistic science but maybe not inexplicable if we just open up our perspective a little bit and look at this a little differently. And that's, that's Um, what I'm like trying to do. That's, I mean, it's in the sense that like, that's what I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, it's very difficult to say like, Oh, I'm just going to open up and look at something differently. You know, it's, it's, you're faced with a bunch of challenges. Oh, and let me add one more thing. So two emails came in side by side. Mm -hmm. The other email was in, it was Mm -hmm. uh, from um, Whitley Strieber, who I, who I like, I don't think I'd exchanged any emails with at that point. I'm, I had been, um, uh, and he in basically says Whitley Strieber is following you on Twitter, and that was the only thing that that email was. But that was side by side okay. with Cindy Gale, and I had just the only reason I started the Twitter account was is because uh, someone had told me like, yeah, you know, if you're doing a blog, you might want to have a Twitter account at the same time, and you can kind of advertise sure. or promote the blog that way. So, um, and and that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, so I thought that was that was kind of... Shazam, exactly. It's uh, fascinating. And, you know, there are other things that um, you and I have discussed in terms of bizarre, just strangeness about, about this whole topic of ours, uh, including numerology, including the number 333, especially 333 a.m., which I know has been something that you have come across... And I will only say it's been something that I have come across with multiple individuals that that 333, 333 matters in some very important way. And you're you're finding this, I believe. In fact, it, you have it on your on your blog site relating so, well, to the, this, the you know, awful it, tragic death of this uh, this woman, Jessica. Oh, oh yeah, that was almost that that set a that post that I did about Jessica Redfield, uh, who died in the Aurora uh, shooting, which is now just a couple weeks old now. um, uh, That was almost just a little uh, the thing that I got uh, intrigued by, which everyone recognized. It was posted all over uh, formal newspapers where she had she had been at 
at an event in May, I think, of the same year in uh, Toronto where there had been a, a, a shooting. And she had she had sort of a premonition. She was at a food court. She had sort of a funny feeling. She left the food court basically to hear sounds of shooting uh, as she was walking away. Um, so, you know, that, that struck me as very unusual. Other people were noticing that too. She did a blog post on it, and um, I can't remember where the number 333 plays into that. But it's interesting. Most UFO abduction researchers do point out the number 333, and it is very common for yeah. abductees to wake up at 333, look at their digital clock, and, and, uh, and just see that, and that becomes sort of a nightly routine. Uh, what that may or may not mean, I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know if anyone really understands it. I've I've tried uh, googling this one and under, researching. I'm, I know you have as well. And there, uh, there seems to be a, um, a like a biblical or like a Christian significance to it, um, in the sense that it's half of six six six, and it, I have at least come across speculations that that it's related to that in some way. Uh, cer- certainly the hour of 3 a.m. of all hours of the day is the one where more more people die than any other hour because yep. uh, apparently the body is, is at its weakest. So th- there could be things that if if you're the closest to death at that hour, your soul, your spirit, if one believes in that, I do, is as at its most uh, tenuous in its hold on, uh, in the body. And, Maybe there's a connection there somehow. And then there's other um, researchers who will, you know, put forth the idea that um, that is the time when um, nighttime abductions will occur. Is at three thirty three a.m. Uh, you know, the, we're we're we're. I don't think there's a way to actually get good quantifiable data on that, but that is something that has certainly been speculated. Uh, The number that seems to show up for me uh, inexplicably connected to this set of events is uh, the number uh, 1234 or 12345. And I've gone through... How how so? Can you clarify that a little bit? Um, I mean, I've gone through and searched my emails. That that series of numbers? Yeah, I've gone through and... I've gone through and searched my emails uh, in, because it keeps on showing up. People will comment on something, or people will send me an email that's sort of that's sort of prescient to the to the UFO abduction ideas and concepts, or they'll tell a story or something. And their time count will be one, two, three, four, five, one, twenty-three, forty-five seconds. Okay. And I've gone through, and I figured, like, wow, I've you know I've got you know do a lot of email. There's got to be. I've gone through and kind of searched it. It's actually an easy way to search it, and. Uh, just thinking, like, wow, does the, you know the bank statement come at one at the same time? Does anything else come in at the same time? And no, it doesn't. It's it's there's a cluster of of emails that that show up with that are associated with the UFO phenomena. I had it. This is going to be a little bit. Uh, I'm going to be careful because this involves someone else. And um, there was a very young woman. Her name is Megan. She has implied to me uh, that she has had. UFO contact experiences. She's she's uh, very very shy and fragile about it, and I've chatted with her a little bit on Facebook. So, uh, I am sitting in front of the TV. I'm watching a documentary on a DVD. It's the DVD is plugged into my DVD player. Um, the documentary is pretty much winding down, and there's actually some 
question whether this documentary is a stage faked documentary. It's called Catfish. It's worth watching. It was well done. And, and, okay. and uh, so the premise is a guy befriends someone on Facebook, realizes that there's something fishy, and then goes and does detective work and realizes that, you know, that the person isn't who they, she, said, she said they was. So um, I'm sitting there, and I think to myself, you know, I should, um, I should just check in with Megan. And I just that thought popped into my head. As soon as I thought that, the DVD froze. All of a sudden, the DVD frame was frozen on my screen. Mm-hmm. I look up at the time count. It's one hour, 23 minutes, and 45 seconds. One, two, three, four, wow. five. And the, wow. and the image on the screen is of the fake identity of, like, it was one of the photographs that had been passed back and forth between these two characters in the story and so it, the movie was winding down it was about an hour and a half long the movie so the movie's winding down and it's doing it's having like title cards like it's basically saying and here's the summation you know and, and so basically a title card so there's a picture of a woman's face and it says um you know megan is not who she says she was she was you know and that's mm-hmm. on the screen so I literally unplug the, I pull the DVD out, I put it back in, I try it over again, and it immediately freezes up at one, two, three, four, five again. Um, there's a friend of ours that you and I both have, and I send her an email and I say, listen, this weird, freaky thing happened. Her name is, oh, the, I send this to Anya Briggs, and I said, this weird, freaky thing yeah. happened, you know, and I basically retell the same story I just told you. And then uh, I get up the next morning and I check my email. And she replies, and she basically says, "Freaky deaky," you know, like she's uh, very much a psychic, and uh, right. and she says, um, uh, you know, my guides are saying it's overlapping timelines. Now I don't really know what that means, but her email came in at one twenty-three in the morning. I see. So yeah, this is bizarre, bizarre. Yeah, and so um, obviously I'm not going to start a new religion just because of of, of this email and and what happened this night. Coincidence? I, mean, I, I don't know. Well, listen, hold this thought because uh, we're going to take a quick break. Can you stick around after the break for the for the rest of the show, or you've got something to do? Because there's a, there's so many follow up questions here that I would just love to explore, and I'm just hoping you can you can hang around for a while. Are you there? Hello. I'm still here. Okay, good. Well, let, let's go. Let's go to our uh, our break race. If you want to cue some music, this is Truth Out Radio. I'm Richard Dolan here with Mike Cleland, having a great conversation on the Global Radio Alliance. Uh, stick around. We're coming back for the very last segment after these messages. I don't care if it hurts. We're clear, Richie. All right, cool. Hey, how's my sound? Mike, yeah, this is fascinating. So I had a little bit of trouble just hearing the audio quality was a little bit uh, subpar. Okay, I can I can jump to a phone if you need me. And, then, and if the people listening heard fine, then that's really the only thing that matters. I heard you well enough. Okay, I can switch to a phone if you need me to. No, no, no. You guys were doing fine. I mean, you guys were doing. No, that's good. All, great, great. The air, it sounded perfect. Awesome. That's it. So it sounds a little shaky at my end, but but uh, I think we're overlapping a little bit. I, I'm, we're yeah, stepping I, on each other's I words think a little bit. That Skype has some kind of a limiter in uh, where you know you have a conference call going, and when one person talks over another, it wants to quiet one of them down. Yeah. Raise one of them up. You know what I could do easily is if I sometimes just hanging up and calling back will will bump the signal up. You're going to hang up and call me back? Yeah, I'll call you right back. Great. 
Guys, we got one, two. And by the way, race. I understand that I'm number. We're number one on talk stream oh, yeah. right now. Dominate uh, have been for the last forty minutes. That's what I like to hear. Already got the screen capture for Facebook. <laughs> Dolan domination. That's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. I like it. Oh yeah. Oh, and hey, uh, Rich, I just wanted to say, like, I could not agree more. I, I am, I am, I find the Olympics repellent because of the saturation of the marketing and the advertising and the product placement. Yeah, I mean, I love the athletes. Honestly, I think the athletes are phenomenal. But uh, I just, I can't, cannot handle commercialism. It's just, it's too much. The, I, I don't know what's going on. I haven't watched it in so many years. But every time I get a brief glimpse of it, the there's a corny. Uh, aspect to the to the little videos of the you know here's the athlete at home you know this athlete's you know younger brother oh, yeah. has a you know had a anyways yeah that's they, they do this they do that i mean the olympics they really take it to a high level but they do it with like the super bowl they do it with a lot of these other um yeah i can't watch yes. tv i just simply cannot watch tv anymore yeah yeah it's awful it's just horrible okay well you sound good how much time do we have race what, what's the story uh 45 seconds. Well, I'm glad I asked. Yeah, that thing with Megan was kind of freaked me out a little bit when that happened. I was kind of like, yeah. but um, yeah, that was very strange. Yes, absolutely. How are we doing, Race? 15 seconds go. back to music. Well, I really want to uh, follow up on some of these thoughts, so um, I think we'll easily take this right to the end of the show. Talk radio. Here we go, back. Global Radio to Music. I haven't heard this one in a minute. This is Toots, Toots and the Metals. Richie, give me 10 seconds from right now, brother. Drive yes, home. We are back. It's the final segment of Truth Out Radio. I'm Richard Dolan. And I'm here with a gentleman who has turned out to be my guest. I hadn't really planned to have a guest tonight, but it works out like that. And that is Mike Clellan. Uh, really excellent, one of the best bloggers, I think, in the UFO alternative, paranormal field, whatever you want to call it. Mike Cleland, his um, site is called hiddenexperience.blogspot.com. And I encourage you to go there. I think some of the people in the chat room have been checking it out and commenting. Uh, Mike, you just have a lot of great articles in here. I'm so glad you're here. Can we follow up a little bit on some of these bizarre implications of what you've just been talking about. Absolutely. I'll, you know, let me get, I'll answer anything you ask. Well, I mean, I don't know what to ask. Okay. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll riff on what we were talking about. How's that? Yes. I'm uh, trying to figure out just what the hell kind of a reality we're dealing with. I mean, here's my question. Have you wondered, well, I, I think I know the answer because we have talked about this privately, but have you wondered if we, that is we people, are somehow being played like characters on a board game or or characters in like some video game and 
and you know someone takes us for a little period of time and says okay i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna mess with clellan for a little while and yeah i'll get dolan and i'll get that other person do, do you get that feeling at all you know, I, I think it's too simplistic to say mess with. Uh, you know, I think mm-hmm. that what what the, you know, I've talked to so many people. It's one of the questions I ask everyone in this field. You know, like I, I say, you know, like, what's your experience with synchronicities? And right. um, if, and quite honestly, if they are um, talk of the UFO abduction intersecting their life, uh, you ask them, you know, so have you had any synchronicities in your life? Their expression is to kind of roll their eyes in like, like, like it's too big a topic to even start a conversation about. Like they've had too many to mm-hmm. uh, t- to even try to you know def- define. Um, the only thing I can come up with that that to me they're a sign to pay attention. And as just a sort of a, an experiment of my own, I don't know, just like you know my own life path, I have. I have made a very real effort to trust the synchronicities, to uh, work with them in the sense that, like, if the synchronicity is trying to tell me something, I will trust it and I will amend my my life in a way. I will follow that path. I will pull on that thread and see where it leads me, and and it'll uh, until I get to another synchronicity, and then I will, um, you know keep on following it like that and i am not exaggerating i've made a very real effort to to mm-hmm. live that uh and it's been interesting I, I gotta say it has been very interesting you know what has come of it uh and so one of the i said it earlier that one of the questions i ask people you know i ask a handful i ask a, you know like that i ask everyone um mm-hmm. and one of them is like what's your experience with synchronicity and most people will or most people who fall into the ufo abductee category will say something, and I wrote this down actually when we were at the break, um, and this is what two people said, almost word for word, and then everyone else kind of paraphrases it closely. They'll say, synchronicity is the language with which they communicate. And that is a direct quote from one guy, one guy's blog. Um, so I think everyone experiences synchronicity to one degree or another. And synchronicity is a, is a, sure. is a term that uh, Carl Jung coined and uh, I'm not actually sure what it is. I, you know, the short definition would be it, a, a meaningful coincidence uh, would be synchronicity. Right. So, well, the problem with with synchronicities, at least in our worldview, is that most of us with a, a conventional education don't we don't really have the conceptual tools with which to understand how synchronicities can even be possible. And so, without that understanding. The, the typical response for most people is just to dismiss them as, oh, it's just a coincidence. And but, that, and that's more than that. And that's where it feels like the universe or whatever, you know, something behind the curtain is screaming at, and I'll just use me in particular, is screaming at me right. to pay attention. Um, it seems to me that this this phenomenon is, I mean, it's doing many things, but one thing that it may be doing is teaching us that our mechanistic. Uh, scientific materialism is not this is not how the universe is that there's something beyond this and I I think you know what it appears is that these synchronicities are um, are one way for us to kind of break through that and into this 
new understanding of reality. I I couldn't agree more. And you just, earlier you said something like, um, you know, like people who have had a formal education or a higher education, you know, get confronted with synchronicity and then they just dismiss the synchronicity. And to me, that is a failure of our conventional education system, if that's the right. case. I, I have a feeling that if you were raised in a, you know, in a tribal society, in a, in a jungle somewhere, you might not... Uh, you, you you would not dismiss synchronicities outright. No, for sure. Uh, Native American tribes, I think we're, many of us are well aware. Uh, you, they look for signs. They look for symbols. Uh, all in in ordinary life, you know, just all around, and 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 they're seen all the time because they're they're looked for. I wonder, like in your case, since you have been looking for synchronicities, am I right in assuming that you've probably been seeing more of them? Since you've been looking for them, uh, and and I've I've have been seeing more of them, and I've also been documenting them. So if I have a synchronicity, I will put it online. And I think that there's a a heightened power involved in when when you put it when you when you put it out to the world so publicly. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, not that many people read my blog, so it's not like I'm having a you know profound impact on the world itself. But I do feel that the that there is a heightened uh, resonance, a heightened power of the experience when it when I'm making an effort to declare it you know maybe I'm fooling myself but but I'm I'm proceeding forward as if that's the case well you know five or ten years ago I would have been much more inclined to say well you know maybe yes maybe no but I I don't dismiss it anymore I I really have come to feel that there's power in our intention and power in our consciousness at the risk of sounding like I need to put on a white gown and some and some uh, you know, seashells around my neck and maybe a pyramid hat. Um, but I do believe that. I think that uh, our our consciousness, our intentions make a difference. Somehow, the, the quality of our thought and the focused nature of our thought do interact with a reality that is beyond these physical bodies of ours. And uh, that's the power of consciousness. I don't pretend that I understand how it all works yet, but... I think that, that so that in your case, by writing about these synchronicities, I, I would certainly not deny that you're you're giving them a certain there's a certain power that you are adding to the mix with all of this. Yeah, and I and I so I, you know whatever like I I basically was talking about this with a close friend of mine and she was listening and I and she's very open minded and she's heard all my you know my crazy stories and she. Um, and I basically said, you know, there's something, you know, like the, the, the fact that, you know, the, the people that have the UFO abduction experience are having so many synchronicities that means something. And she kind of rolled her eyes and said, well, you know, true enough, but anyone on a spiritual path is going to have a lot of synchronicities. And then I just realized, like, well, that means the UFO abduction phenomena is like a, 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 a form of a spiritual path. It's a, you know. Wow. So, well, I don't know whether that's true or not, but that was kind of the way I, I read it. And then, and, you know, and I will say that there is, that, that rings true in a lot of cases. The, uh, the, whatever, the, the uh, John Mack's final book was called Passport to the Cosmos. And he, yeah. uh, where in that book, he compares and contrasts the UFO abductee and their experience to the shaman and the initiation experience. And it's fascinating. I agree. It really is. I feel that there are there are two fundamental kinds of abduction experiences that I, I come across. Uh, of one that's a definitely 
a physical, you know, a definite event in which someone, their, their body is physically taken and things are done to that body and there are marks left behind it and things like this. But then there, there are certain instances where it's, it's not always 100% clear that a person's body has been taken. That, that there's an element of this that is beyond physical. And, you know, I, I wouldn't pretend that I'm, I'm an abduction expert the way that uh, other people who have really focused on abductions have. But I will just say that in the last number of years, a number of experiences have, have come my way. And, and some of them appear to be intensely realistic dreams, but they're not dreams. And this is from more than one type, more than one person. And, and it's not always clear that the individual was taken physically somewhere. And you know, so, so I don't really, is it, you know, what's happening in that, in that case? Is your soul, your spirit being removed? Are you given an avatar body somewhere? Uh, it's not always clear to me that the, that the person, in other words, left their room left left their bed yeah they're, they're, and then sometimes i mean there's some you know there's out and out stories where children are missing right they'll be missing for a long time they'll, you know somebody you know some kids will be missing for a day and then they'll just magically appear back in the room and they'll they'll be like you know mom dad what are you so uptight about i've, I've been here the whole time and they don't recognize there's been some skip in time and so you know there's mm-hmm. there's there's police records where the rec, you know police are called in and they're searching for a child and so so there is physical evidence that someone is missing yeah uh that's cute now uh do you do you have an opinion because i don't know if we've shared this one uh do you have an opinion on what is the nature behind the phenomenon do you think that these are beings from another world another planet are they beings from another d- dimension of a reality whatever dimension of a re- our reality even means i mean what what do you think is going on? Do you have a hypothesis? You know, I don't. You know, because it's very. You know, it may have. I'm just. It, it may have something to do with metal spaceships from another planet. You know, that might be part of it. But that. But once you look into it, it's. It just gets so much more weird. You know, like it's too weird for that to match. You know, the, the the overwhelming evidence from what I've heard firsthand from talking to people just doesn't that doesn't play out. That doesn't mean that it's that it's you know whatever. There's it's not black and white. You know. You, you can't just say like, oh, then that that's that doesn't make any sense. We got to throw that out and you know just toss the baby out yeah. with the bathwater and say like, okay, we're only looking at you know metaphysical experiences that are manifesting by you know cosmic tricksters that are somehow you know interloping mm-hmm. with our three D reality. Uh, you know, I, I I don't even know what that means as I say it, but it does sound like I'm trying to paint a picture yeah. of something. Right. But but uh, so so it might be. I'm, I suspect it's a little of both. Here's what I do suspect is that you know, like if we had turned the clock back, you know, fifty years, sixty years, you know, so so we uh, we would have been having this conversation when you know whatever you know Eisenhower or Truman was president or something. Mm-hmm. We would not be able to banter about. Uh, parallel dimensions it just wasn't in our lexicon we would have to talk about venus we would have to talk about mars and that would be about where the debate would end you know if we turn the clock back uh you know 400 years we would talk about angels we would talk about demons and that's it wouldn't go any farther than that because that's all the that's the only framework we would have now i'm just thinking like what happens in the next you know 
hundred years forward? Like what new vocabulary words are we going to have? What new concepts? Maybe those concepts emerge through fiction rather than through, you know, a, a physicist, you know, discovering a new parallel reality. Um, right. I, I have the feeling that we are, you know, very, very limited in our own vocabulary and our own method of understanding and that, you know, whatever might be happening, uh, who knows where, as we, jump into the future what what new terms what new definitions we we use to try to wrap our, our minds around this i'm uh, i'm reading a book right now which has actually been out for uh, almost 20 years but i'd never read until i'm diving into it now by tom robbins called uh half asleep in frog pajamas and I'm, it's upstairs right now and it's one of the best books i've read in years and it, first of all, it's just a wild, wild plot, which is it, it's fabulous, but it's very philosophical. And one of the uh, the main character has a dream at one point, and in this dream, someone says to her, uh, the actress Sarah Bernhardt performed all of her plays, uh, all of her performances in the United States in French, and and during those performances in the 19th century, librettos were given out to the people uh, in English so that they could follow along what she was doing. On occasion, the wrong libretto was given out for the wrong play. And no one seemed to complain. Uh, and there were no, no critics who commented on this. This is all in this character's dream. And then the, the person explaining this in the dream went further and said, that's like our life. We go through our lives with these um, ideas about what constitutes our reality, whether it's our religion, whether it's our our politics, um, you know, the, the the news that we watch on television, all of these things. And what do we have? You know, we have, in fact, a, an intensely rich reality that is that our our minds are like it's like kindergarten level compared with what we're actually dealing with. And in a sense, it's like we're going through life. Are you going through life with the wrong libretto? In other words, you're reading along, but you're reading the wrong play. It's, it doesn't have any, real, it doesn't have any um, connection at a deep level to the, to the stuff that we're actually experiencing. And I just think that's such a, that was a very powerful thought. I'm looking forward to reading the rest of this novel, by the way. But um, that's, I mean, to me, that seems like, in a sense, what you're describing here, which I agree with completely. Our consciousness 400 years ago, our consciousness 50, 60 years ago, uh, and where we're at today is very, very different. And, and where will we be in another century? This is really the important question. I've been thinking for a while now about what, ufology is going forward into this new century of ours uh what what are the issues and what's what should really be on, on our agenda on uh, not, not ufology of 1985 for god's sake but for 2012 and moving into the future we really do need to have a sophisticated understanding of of this this new science and that includes an understanding of what these synchronicities mean, because this, this is part of what people are dealing with. Um, if they, these are beings from another planet, 
which I don't discount. I mean, I just when you look at the the vast um, numbers of likely planets that there are that have that are probably going to have life, it doesn't seem that difficult to envision that that some of them are ahead of the curve and got a ju- got a jump on us. And, and with with sufficiently advanced technology, uh, as Arthur C. Clarke said, well, that could be indistinguishable from magic to us. So I don't, I couldn't rule that out. But I, I certainly think that this is a reality that is very, very far ahead of our, of where we are at. And and one thing I do wonder, I wonder if we will actually ever be at a point where we will grasp this reality. I mean, we've got pretty cool brains, but we're not omniscient. You look at all the other creatures on Earth and they have their limits. Uh, I have a dog upstairs and she's a wonderful girl and she's a very intelligent dog, but she's got her limits. When I feed her a can of dog food, she doesn't know how the food got into the can and she doesn't, she doesn't know what the moon is if she howls at it. There's, that's just how her brain isn't set up that way. So we're a little bit higher up in what we can understand, but look, we've got our limits. So what's beyond our capabilities? Obviously, there's got to be so much beyond the ability of the human brain, which after all is designed to understand reality in terms of space and time, spatially and temporally. But we've kind of figured out mathematically that space and time aren't what our common sense tells us anyway. So will our common sense ever get to a point where we can grasp some of these things that we're talking about? I don't know. I mean, I think it's quite possible that we may be dealing with with certain mysteries really for as long as we're around. I, I don't know. I mean, not, not that we shouldn't give up trying to understand, but yeah, I, just, I get this feeling. We're, be, we're banging up against this this very high wall that's it's tough. There's a there's a so you know the you described these visitors from another planet exactly you know the way that's the simplest way to describe them where they're basically us right they're us they're a few whatever thousand million right. years right. farther down the 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 uh, the evolutionary track and and thus they're smarter thus they have more technology and and so they're doing exactly what we do right we go to Yellowstone National mm-hmm. Park and we we fly in a helicopter and we tag. Uh, uh, grizzly bears, and then, um, you know, the grizzly bear has an experience. He's got a limited understanding to what really happened. Um, you know, if he if he exactly. if he tried to tell the other grizzly bears, you know, what he went through, they would all laugh at him. But at the same time, he's got this funny ear tag now, and and uh, so it's all behavior we can we can identify. With yes, we're anthrop we're anthropomorphizing, and and I don't yeah. think there's a problem with that. I just like to I like to. Um, I just like to recognize it. I just like to say, "Ooh, we're anthropomorphizing," and if you know, we're we're doing that thing that's so easy for us to do. It's like it just transfers right over into, you know, half the Star Trek episodes. But what's what's going on is alien in in alien in in the you know the Webster's Dictionary uh, definition. Where if you look up the you know what it means. It doesn't say anything about someone from another planet. Like maybe it might now. I don't know, but but it basically says something so unusual and so different that it is impossible to comprehend. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm paraphrasing that, but I did. I have actually written that definition down more than once. Mm-hmm. And that that is the proper use of the term alien. You know, you say alien, and we all picture, um, you know, us 
farther down the the line. We anthropomorphize, but it's yeah. it's far mm-hmm. stranger than that. In my uh, coming from some of my direct experiences, as well as the conversations I've had with people. Well, we're Bob, we're almost uh, at the end of end of the show here. I want to mention on your blog site you have uh, some really nice references to the late Mac Tonys. Oh, and it's and pronounced Tonys. Tonys. Yeah, I never met him in person. We just corresponded. And I, I, I've always regretted not uh, not getting to know Mac Tonys um, better. But I was a fan of him. And he has a blog called Post-Human Blues, which has been um, preserved. Yes. He's written on your yeah. site. Well, it, Mac just was one of these very much out-of-the-box type thinkers with ufology and ET, and he just died tragically young at the age of 34 just a couple of years ago. And his, his writings are really just fascinating. Now, um, Mac and I were pretty close. I had never met him. We had a lot of late-night phone conversations. Um, I just dialed him up out of the blue. I heard him interviewed on Tim Benal's uh, Benal of America program, and I basically just like said, I have to talk to this guy. And I went ahead and dialed him up, and, and uh, he was in the... Uh, oh. A Kansas City phone book, and you know, within an hour, I was talking to him on the phone. I left a message on his machine. An hour later, the phone rang, and it was him. And we talked, and and that uh, that was probably 2008. And so, for the next year and a half, or so, uh, once a month or so, we would have these late, late, late night phone calls. And uh, and that was, so, there's some synchronicities related to to Mac and I. Um, uh-huh. There's one post. Uh, I won't be able to find it here and talk at the same time. Multitasking is rough when you're you know, speaking live on the radio. But uh, We've got about one or two minutes. So so, so there's a post that involves Mac, Tonys, and cats. Mac and I talk about cats. And we both wrote essays almost at the same time before we knew each other and before, and before I had even heard of him. And they basically are the same essay about cats and how playing with a cat with a laser pointer is sort of a metaphor for the UFO phenomena because uh, the cat just sees the red dot. The cat has no idea that there's a person holding the laser pointer somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that to me says a lot. And I, and, and um, so I have both of us reading th- those, those uh, passages side by side in the blog. Well, I'm so glad we got to chat about him and listen, Mike, it has just been so great having you here. I, I hope we can, uh, we can do this again. Sure. Anytime. Yeah. And, and I should have you on my show. Set it up properly. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Do uh, do maybe even a longer interview uh, based on a lot of the research you're doing. So I think that's going to have to be it for tonight, though. We're just about at the end. I've really, really enjoyed this show. So, Mike Clennon, let me thank you for being on. Anyone who wants to check out Mike's work, please go to hiddenexperience.blogspot.com. Or uh, you can Google Mike Clellan. That's, K, uh, oh. that's C-L-E-L-L-A-N-E, Clelland. And uh, so, Mike, thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, I've enjoyed this show uh, being with you tonight uh, very much. We've had three really great hours. I'm Richard Dolan. This is Truth Out Radio on the Global Radio Alliance. I will be back next week. Looking forward to it. Thanks to Race Hobbs, my producer, and everyone in the chat room, everyone listening on Talk Stream Live. We did get ranked number one, uh, apparently, by a long way, so I'm very happy about that. And that's it. This is Richard Dolan signing off for tonight. Have a great night, everyone. We're clear, Richie. All right. That was good. Hey, Mike, are you still there? I'm still here. Oh, yeah. It was just tremendous. Loved having you on. 
And um, all right, well, listen, I, I'm not going to stay much longer. Okay, so, I'll um, let you go. This was great. Say yeah. hi to your wife, and, and I will. Um, Thanks, Mike. I'll be around. Yeah, bye now. Nice meeting all you. Right. Yeah, you Take too. care. Bye. And here's a formal thank you to Rich for having me on his audio program. That was great fun. Now, the follow up, which is tacked on right after I finish talking here, is Mac Tony's talking about a cat and a laser pointer. Um, it's a series of essays, of two essays, one by Mac and one by myself, uh, both written pretty close to the same time, within a f- less than two months apart. And the, and the uh, synchronistic weirdness should be very apparent. Uh, this, this is an important story for me. And, and my friendship with Mac meant a, a lot to me. Um, please enjoy. Audio recording, February 11th, 2010. Um, I'm going to read a short little essay that I wrote in November 2006. And I just did a posting on it. And I'm going to... At the end, you can also listen to Mac Tony's uh, reading a very similar short essay. And he read it on Greg Bishop's Radio Mysterioso show. Um, And here's my essay. It's short, and I I actually was very happy with the way it turned out. It's titled Cat and String. The term UFO implies a lot. And, by definition, it's unknowable. How can I wrap my head around something so utterly strange, something that, no matter how you look at it, remains unknowable? Here's something that helps me. I use a piece of string when I play with my cat. I stand in the kitchen and wiggle it around, and my cat just goes nuts. I never really let her catch the string. I try to keep it just an inch in front of her. Sometimes she'll manage to get her claws into it, but I'll snap it away and out of her reach. Does she think the string is alive? I can't help but think this is exactly what's happening to us. To me, this phenomenon is similar to that piece of string. It wiggles out in front of us, but it's simply impossible to catch. Does my cat have a way to perceive it as string? Maybe, but she doesn't seem to be that insightful. Her reality is that it's a wonderful, special, living thing that magically amplifies her very being. The string game can get so overwhelming that she gets positively unhinged with excitement. And the experience described by abductees may be impossible to accurately perceive. This bizarre experience is, like the string, capable of overwhelming and unhinging. Do we say that the UFO occupants are visiting us in the same way my cat would say the string is alive? One thing that draws me to this subject is that, at its core, it's just such an intensely wonderful and scary story. I used to love spooky campfire stories as a child. Now, as an adult, I still crave that mysterious thrill, and the UFO phenomenon fulfills that need. Is there something universal about our need for a scary story? Do they know about that need and frame the experiences in a way that will satisfy us on some deep level? These stories are so elusive. We want to be able to kick the tires of the experience, but it just doesn't happen. As soon as we get close to a clue or an answer, it has a way of skittering away, just out of our reach like the string on my kitchen floor. My cat needs to play the string game to truly fulfill her catness. Do we need the experience of trying to confront an elusive mystery to truly fulfill our humanness? A pragmatic scientist would say no, but what would a primitive shaman say? My cat and I are connected to each other when we play the string game. So then, what are we connected to?
I posted this as my very first blog posting on March 3rd, 2009, and the very first comment came through from Mac Tony's um, at 10.39 p.m. that same day. And he said, Have you read my essay about cats and laser pointers? We're on the same page! And with a big exclamation point. And, uh, and the next thing you're going to hear is his essay about cats and laser pointers. And I think we are on the same page, and it's really funny. So I figured I'd put both of these online in an audio format. And here's a short excerpt from... Greg Bishop's Radio Mysterioso with Mac Tonys, recorded on July 27th, 2009. Have you ever done the thing with uh, laser pointers and cats? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah where you, where the cats chase the laser pointer around. I was doing that one night, and I, I thought this was this is a perfect analogy for the UFO phenomenon. So here's one little anecdote I'll read. Here we go. Uh, every few nights I get out my laser pointer and indulge my cats in a frenetic game of chase. Cats are natural hunters and they're effectively incapable of not looking at the quickly moving red dot that I project onto the carpet walls or any piece of furniture that happens to be in its path. To my cat, the red dot, is, the red dot possesses its own vitality. It exists as a distinct entity. While they may see me holding the pointer, they can't or won't be distracted by such things once the button is pressed and the living room is suddenly alive with luminous vermin. So they chase it, and if they get close enough, they even take swipes at it, in which case I make the dot flee or appear, or, excuse me, or disappear in what seems like a concession of defeat, which of course only, furthers, only further arouses the cat's predatory curiosity. All the while I'm controlling the red dot, I'm taking pains to make it behave like something intelligible. Just waving the pointer around the room wouldn't be any fun, so I make it climb, jump, and scuttle when cornered, even though the laser's impervious to obstructions. The sense of quality seems to be the element that makes chasing the laser so engaging, both for the cats and for me. I can't help but be reminded of our continued, continuing search for assumed extraterrestrial vehicles. UFO sightings demonstrate many of the same aspects of a typical feline laser hunt, mysterious disappearances and possible maneuvers, and a predilection for trickery, the apparent desire to be seen despite, or perhaps because of, a technology presumed to be far in advance of our own. More than one UFO researcher has noted that UFOs behave more like projections or holograms than nuts and bolts craft, an observation that begs the nature of the intelligence doing the projecting. According to astrophysicist Jacques Blay, UFOs are part of a psychosocial conditioning system by which perceived rewards are doled out to reconcile for the dearth of irrefutable, excuse me, irrefutable physical evidence. The phenomenon, whatever its ultimate nature, obstinately denies itself, thus enabling the very game it's intent on playing with us. We see that sudden spark of red light, we bounce. This time we'll catch it for sure. So that's kind <laughs> of my uh, philosophy towards UFO research in a nutshell. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people are pushing for one idea which uh, kind of sits there just out of reach over and over again, yet they still chase that same red light. Mm-hmm. And you and, and Nick and other people, including me, have talked about the idea that uh, as soon as our perce- perception of what it is, uh, a quote-unquote, changes, it's going to be something else. Exactly, yeah. It's just slippery. It's like one of those little uh, balloon toys you play with at the pool or at your uh, one of those little snake things, you know? that you, you yeah. grab and it squirms it out of your hand like some little animal or something. Yeah, it's like uh, it, it changes, and it's done this throughout history. Um, uh, different cultures have, have always perceived these, this phenomenon, assuming it's the same phenomenon, and, and it seems to have at least 
at least some aspects in common with with each successive incarnation. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're hard pressed to find any any culture on the planet that doesn't have um, that doesn't have a history of of something very much like the UFO phenomenon. Of course, it's never been expressed in in aeronautical terms until our era. But uh, the the salient elements are still there. Um, assuming assuming beings are, are present, uh, the uh, the whole prospect of uh, pregnancy has played a pretty major role. In fact, I, in, in the Invisible College, shockfully talks about how it's it's next to impossible to find a, a culture on Earth that doesn't have a mythology, a folklore of beings from the sky abducting pregnant women. You know what? A, what a strange thing for 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 a uh, you know culture to have a some sort of predisposition to. But that's what we find. And you know, in our in our Western secular society, that aliens from space seem to to fit the mold. So you know, but whether we're in fact dealing with aliens with some sort of uh, obsession with with genetics, uh, you know, that that's a popular hypothesis. Uh, it has a certain appeal, but I think once once we decide on that collectively, it'll the phenomenon will change and it will be something else. And um, whether whether this is ultimately something that we can understand, or whether it's ultimately something that will always keep changing, whether it's inherently metamorphic, that's that's a question that's just uh, absolutely uh, to me is just uh, you know can make you lose sleep. <laughs> it also sounds like. Um ideas in physics where they come up with a theory and then there's you know enough people looking at enough evidence the theory doesn't support it and it changes um you know maybe every used to change every 10 years and every five now theories about the universe are changing seemingly every you know less less than a 12-month cycle on them i think it's been estimated that 98 uh, percent of the matter in the universe we, we literally don't know what it is and uh, we understand very little we understand a lot, but it's still only a fraction of, of what we can see in the observable universe. <laughs> Dark matter. <laughs> okay, just hearing Max's voice, and my cat is just about to jump in my lap here, on the, as I sit on the computer. Um, just hearing Max's voice like that, uh, it just seems like such a uh, haunting and beautiful thing that uh, we can just uh, click a few buttons and listen to his recorded voice. It's very, very reassuring that 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 voice is still around in in some form, even if only in a recording. I would also like to add that uh, if anyone ever does a questionnaire, one of those questionnaires about, like, uh, UFO experiences and paranormal experiences, I hope they include the question, are you a cat or dog person? I I seem to be uh, not alone in my assessment that (laughs) these funny, curious, paranormal quandaries seem to uh, they seem to latch on to the folks that are very much cat people uh, and and uh, that's not universal by any means but it is a very curious statistical anomaly my friend Mac ever the technologist with his laser beam and myself with a dopey piece of string and here comes my cat um, thank you for listening bye bye Hi, this is Mike. I am chiming in for the final time here. The last thing that's coming up here is a is I guess you could call it a rant from from Richard. 
Uh, this took place earlier in the show. He is going to talk about MUFON. Uh, he is going to articulate my feelings. He is going to do a better job talking about it than I would. And I would also direct you to a woman named Elaine Douglas. She is a researcher. Uh, she was state director for Utah for MUFON. She was forcibly kicked out of the organization. And um, she is not the kind of woman to take that lightly. Her issue is less that she was forced out and more the direction that MUFON has been moving toward in the last uh, few years. It is a very unsettling story that she shares. It is kind of damning, I have to say. I would actually encourage Rich to get uh, Elaine on as a, as a guest. That would be extremely interesting. Um, Okay, here we go. My final interruption is just about to end, and you're just about to hear Rich uh, give his uh, very thoughtful opinions on an organization that I feel is spiraling the drain, and that would be MUFON. Hey, and if you've made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now. While I'm on this, I, I would like to add that all of the uh, UFO videos that we have, all of the reports we have, are essentially meaningless without proper investigation. That's why I said earlier that if I were running a UFO research or investigative group, I would be paying gas money uh, for investigators to look into some of these cases. I would be doing everything I can to support proper investigation and reporting. This is why MUFON, which currently is the only major public group able to do this type of thing is so important and it's why MUFON has got to get us act together and by that I simply mean prepare annual reports that describe what the hell it does just like what Chris Rutkowski is doing in Canada MUFON definitely needs to do this and I cannot stress this enough the fact that it has failed to do so year after year is a failure of the organization because you've got no forward motion on any of these reports without a proper analysis that has power to it. Otherwise, it's just another he said, she said type of event and uh, it has no resonance within the mainstream media whatsoever, which is already, of course, predisposed to make light of this topic to begin with. The only way that we're going to bring true power, true forward motion to ufology moving forward into the 21st century is with a proper organization that does real investigations according to scientific protocols and methodology Okay, MUFON tries to do that, and I'll give them that much credit. It's difficult without money to do these things, but they try. But then beyond that, it doesn't do a damn bit of good to just sit on your ass with these reports and not get the information out in some kind of competent analytical format. So really, all that has done year after year is promote suspicion of MUFON, of MUFON as a as an intelligence community vacuum cleaner, basically sucking in the reports and giving nothing back to the general public or to, even to the research community at large, which in fact is the case. They've given, in my view, as an organization, 
they have given nothing back. Not one thing. They've got good people in there who individually have given things back to the UFO research community and to the public. But MUFON as an organization, beyond having an annual uh, symposium that produces uh, a, uh, you know, rep a report of the symposium, which honestly, big deal. I've got a bunch of them and they're interesting, but they're really not going to, they're not going to uh, push ufology forward in any significant way. The only thing that's going to do it is this, that organization or another organization to come along and start doing that. And I've, I have believed for some time, and here I am probably burning all my bridges, but whatever, I don't care anymore. I think the time is right for another organization to come along and to challenge MUFON and to do it the right way. Now, there was an organization, uh, I think they're still around, called EPIC. I have a lot of problems with, uh, with that organization. I will not go into the, the, all the reasons why, but I don't feel that it's, it's the right type of organization to challenge MUFON. However, the clock keeps ticking, time keeps moving forward, and I do believe that there will be a UFO organization ready to do it. Uh, I won't lie to you. I have thought a number of times of whether I myself would like to uh, help initiate such an organization. I have been thinking, thinking, thinking about this. And uh, I do envision at some point in the future, maybe not the distant future, I don't know yet. I've got really to consider all the projects and obligations I already have. But when I think of something that's a valuable, a valuable thing to do, I think that this could be a valuable thing to do. Uh, any organization, whether it's MUFON or any other, can benefit from some healthy competition. Uh, that's what free enterprise is about. What we need is a UFO research organization that will actually show some leadership, that will actually respond to its members, that will actually interact and engage the general public in all of the ways that a proper UFO organization ought to do. The United States and really the world has not had such an organization really since the, since the deaths of NICAP and APRO back in, uh, back in olden days. NICAP, 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 NICAP bit the dust uh, for all intents and purposes with the departure of its director, Donald Kehoe, in 1969. It limped along more like a zombie organization for the next 10 years doing nothing except, uh, well, nothing at all. APRO, uh, run by James and Coral Lorenzen, was a really effective organization for many years. And unfortunately, it uh, fell apart when, the, um, when those two individuals passed away in the 1980s. And uh, the, the loss of the APRO research uh, files is itself a tragic story. But really, since those two organizations have gone, I think they had the right idea. They were both active research organizations that produced, they created things. Um, 
that's what's needed. And I think in the 21st century, my God, the capabilities we have for creating something really exciting and something that's international, well, I think it can be done. So if you are listening and you find this exciting, here's what I'd like you to do. Uh, you don't have to write to me, but you can write to me. In fact, I haven't given up my Truth Out Radio email for a while. It's truthoutradio at gmail.com. I like to use that for this show. That's truthoutradio at gmail.com. Feel free to write to me. If you've got ideas about how ufology can move forward, I want to hear it. I, um, I want to come back and talk about something that's important to all of us, and that is on why courage matters. I'm Richard Dole, and this is Truth Out Radio on the Global Radio Alliance. Don't go away. I don't care if it hurts.